person here standing before you. I don't have any any uh, formal qualifications, but um, it's just a, it's a real privilege that um, to speak uh, and to bring something that's uh, been on my heart to you. Um, and I've only done this a couple of times before, so it's nice to be invited back. Can't have uh, ruined the uh, it too much last time. Um, and I, I did consider giving John a kind of X-Factor-style button just to like stop it uh, if it gets towards being heretical, but I'm not planning on being heretical this morning, so hopefully we're in good hands. Um, so one of the reasons why I haven't been here uh, recently is that recently I stood in an election. So um, uh, in May, uh, I stood in the local elections uh, to become a town and district councillor. Um, and I absolutely handsomely lost the district seat. I got completely obliterated by my opponent. Uh, he got something, he got 50 odd percent and I was down, I can't even remember how bad it was. Uh, I've, I've erased it from my memory, that's how bad it was. But um, yeah, I completely, I yeah, got decimated uh, for the district seat, but I managed to scrape through on the town. So there's, there's two town seats uh, per ward. And so I was lucky enough to, to scrape through on the second, the second seat for that. Um, and uh, it's kind of inspired what I, I'm bringing to you this morning, um, uh, but it's, uh, it's about the, the journey that I've been on, uh, some of the mistakes that I've made, um, and just my learning, really. And, and I'm going on a massive journey. Um, it's, it's really nice to, to hear what um, Sue was shared this morning, just about, you know, um, yeah, we're all on, all on a journey, and this is uh, part, of, part of my journey this morning. Um, and so, yeah. Hopefully, uh, God will speak to you through it. Um, any fans of social media in the room? Any sort of pro social, fa like Facebook posters, Instagram posters? Mm -hmm. Oh, Fern is very confident. Um, I am terrible at social media. <coughs> I is, I'm just, I'm awful. Um, I forget to take photos in the moment. I'm just like, I just completely forget. And then I'm like, oh, that would have made a really good uh, Facebook post. I painstakingly agonize over all uh, posts that I put on Facebook. I like to sort of like pour over the grammar. Uh, I'm just not very confident with it, even though I, I look like I should be someone that is confident with it. I'm just completely not. Um, and in terms of actually taking photos of me, um, I have a charmless smile. Any friends, friends, fans in the room? I can't smile naturally uh, for, a, for a photo. It always looks forced. And so uh, Jess has resorted to uh, kind of jabbing me in the ribs every time there's a, there's a photo. And because then I naturally like laugh and it, you get like a normal smile. And so there's been various ways from you know, trying to tell a joke to just hitting me. And eventually, eventually a smile comes out. Um, but I, can't, I just can't smile naturally on cue. Um, and so I, I don't think um, I would make a very good social media influencer. And so, uh, for those that you don't know, this is kind of like the new job of the 2010s. So uh, you've got uh, predominantly young people who uh, amass a giant following on social media, and then they'll start pushing products or uh, lifestyle advice uh, to their followers on the page, and they can get paid for this. Uh, and this is how people are making a living these days. Um, it's not always products. Um, it could be life advice, fitness advice, clean eating. Um, and it's all about advertising a better way to live. Um, and this is not, it's not all bad. Um, I'd say pr probably quite a lot of it is bad, but um, there are, in, in one side of things, you've got sort of this new materialism emerging where you're, you're looking at these people who are living these potentially perfect lives or seemingly perfect lives, and you think, oh, I need some of that. I, I need that. I need that product. I need um, 
I need that, that to do this style of yoga or I need to, to attend this workshop. Uh, or for a lot of people, it's about being made whole. And it's, we need, I need X, I need Y, I need Z. Because this person who seemingly has their life together um, has those things. Um, that's not always the case. And there's always a bit of a facade that these people put up. Um, but um, there is actually, on the other side, there is actually some really good messages people are pu pushing out. There's lots of people that find encouragement into, into uh, meeting new people, into trying new things from the things that they've learned on social media. Um, there's actually a, a, a big Christian push for social media, in, uh, especially in America. There's lots of young people that are using social media to reach out to people and to tell them the good news about Jesus as well. It's not bad. It's not all bad. Um, actually, lo more locally, uh, for Limitless, the, the youth group that we run, uh, we're part of a kind of a collection of limitless youth groups all across the country. Um, and we actually, um, we all kind of follow each other on social media and we're always kind of um, bringing each other up. We're always kind of seeing what one another is doing, uh, liking each other's posts and sharing them and building up a real network of people so we can kind of take inspiration, see what other people are doing uh, with the young people that they're, they're looking after and uh, move on from there. So it's, it's really encouraging to see. Um, but uh, the social media that influences star relationship has the tendency to distort things. Um, and the way that they use their influence is probably not a model for how, how we should do it. Um, what I want to talk about this morning is really uh, a, a better model for influence. Um, and we, uh, so some, uh, the word influence is often used as, like a, as a bad word if you're undoingly influencing someone. But I want to bring the positive aspects of that and how we can influence others in our lives uh, through the work that we do, uh, both in church and out of church. I think God has called us to, um, all to places of influence. Um, so I, I'm speaking to everyone here today. There are people out there that look up to you in one form or another. And for some, this may be really obvious, but for others, it may require a bit more th of thinking. We have the power and the responsibility to use our influence f for God. And I, th I really feel this, uh, this message is for everyone in the room this morning, that we all have this opportunity, uh, this fantastic opportunity. Um, for me, at least, the way that I'm, uh, one of the ways that I'm choosing to live this out is through uh, my political career. Um, and standing as a counsellor, uh, really for me it was a choice. I didn't feel like God was, you know, calling me out on, on the road saying you need to become a counsellor. It, it was a choice. It's naturally where my, uh, you know, where I found myself. And I was something, something that I wanted to do. Um, but it's something that I felt that God confirmed for me. He didn't tell me not to do that. And now that I've been there, it's only since May that I've started, God has already started putting things in place where I feel like, this was the right thing to do, and God was really behind this. And it's really nice to see that relatively quickly and to see how God is moving in Stratford and potentially how God can use me in that as well. Um, so th really this morning is about asking, who are you going to influence, and, and how, how can you do that? Um, so I'd just like to read uh, a verse this morning. So we'll be in 1 Kings uh, chapter uh, 18. So I'll give you a quick moment to... to Flick your Bibles through there and also display a nice small font on the screen for those at the back. Anyone massively familiar with uh, One Kings in the Bible? Any keen Kings 
students. It's not something that you get inflicted to every day, but um, I think there's some actually some really goodness in this in this um, this uh, this verses that uh, hopefully uh, God will speak to us this morning. So one Kings chapter eighteen. After many days, the word of the Lord came to Elijah in the third year, saying, "Go, show yourself to Ahab, and I will send rain upon the earth." So Elijah went to show himself to Ahab. Now the famine was severe in Samaria, and Ahab called Obadiah, who was over the household. Now Obadiah feared the Lord greatly, and when Jezebel cut off the prophets of the Lord, Obadiah took a hundred prophets and hid them by fifties in a cave and fed them with bread and water. And Ahab said to Obadiah, Go through the land to all the springs of water and to all the valleys. Perhaps we may find grass and save the horses and mules alive and not lose some of the animals. So they divided the land between them to pass through it. Ahab went in one direction by himself, and Obadiah went in another direction by himself. And as Obadiah was on the way, behold, Elijah met him. And Obadiah recognized him and fell on his face and said, Is it you, my lord, Elijah? And he answered him, It is I. Go tell your lord, behold, Elijah is here. And he said, How have I sinned that you would give your servant into the hand of Ahab to kill me? As the Lord your God lives, there is no nation or kingdom where my Lord has not sent to seek you. And when they would say, he is not here, he would take an oath oath of the kingdom or nation that they have not found you. And now you say, go, tell your Lord, behold, Elijah is here. And as soon as I have gone from you, the spirit of the Lord will carry you, I know not where. And so when I come and tell Ahab and he cannot find you, he will kill me. Although I, your servant, have feared the Lord from my youth. Has it not been told, my Lord, what I did when Jezebel killed the prophets of the Lord, how I hid a hundred men of the Lord's prophets by fifties in a cave and fed them with bread and water? Now you say, go, tell your Lord, behold, Elijah is here and he will kill me. And Elijah said, as the Lord of hosts lives before whom I stand, I will surely show myself to him today. So Obadiah went to meet Ahab and told him, and Ahab went to meet Elijah. When Ahab saw Elijah, Ahab said to him, Is it you, you troubler of Israel? And he answered, I have not troubled Israel, but you have, and your father's house, because you have abandoned commandments of the Lord and followed the Baals. Now therefore send and gather all of Israel to me at Mount Carmel, and the 450 prophets of Baal, and the 400 prophets of Asherah, who eat at Jezebel's table. So uh, on one side here we have King Ahab, who is the current king of Israel. And it's the, the latest in line of a bad, uh, a bad lineage of kings, uh, all the way back to Jeroboam. Um, and if you read the kind of the kind of the summarized history in Kings in, in the first couple of chapters before 18, you see that each king was progressively worse. And so this long line of kings, it said, oh, and this king was ten times worse than the king before him. And this, this kind of this build, this picture as Israel kind of uh, slowly loses God um, o- over these years. And so King Ahab uh, marries Jezebel, uh, a foreign princess, and she brings her gods into, into Israel as part of that marriage and establishes the worship of Baal as sort of the national re- religion almost. So no longer following God, we're going to be following Baal. We need to install temples to worship Baal uh, and to make people effectively worship Baal. And so during this time, uh, God ra- raises up Elijah, uh, the, the prophet, who prophesies that a drought will, will, will hit Israel. Uh, and telling Ahab what he's done wrong um, and saying that I, I, the drought will only end after I speak. Um, and then three years after, uh, whilst this drought was happening, this is where we pick up the story in the verses we've just read. 
And, and we meet Obadiah, who isn't obviously the, the main character that everyone knows, but it's someone I'd like to just highlight this morning. Uh, there is a, a real uh, speaking to me of uh, the Obadiah's character and, and how he was impact, a part of the story um, that I'd just like to share with you this morning. Um, he's not really mentioned much in the Bible, um, but yeah, I think, it is, I think it is important. And so the first lesson from Obadiah that I'd like to uh, just bring this morning is, um, step one, influence where you are. Uh, we, we know that Obadiah was a God-fearing man. Um, he hid 100 prophets from being killed uh, by Ahab and Jezebel uh, in the cave, and he kept them fed, uh, and this was during a famine, so this would have not, feeding 100 people during a famine was probably not the easiest thing to do. Um, but looking at this from our sort of modern context, uh, he, was he was working for a corrupt king. Uh, definitely in a, in a corrupt system where God's commandments were being ignored, uh, new gods were being worshipped, and uh, God was pushed out of society. This doesn't really hold water in our modern thinking, does it? We're, you know, we're told to flee from evil. Uh, if you're working somewhere, if you've got a bad boss who's potentially not treating his workers right, there's like the, the pressure that you shouldn't you should stop working for him uh, or, or her. You should be you shouldn't be a part of an organisation that is doing potentially bad things. Uh, otherwise, if you stay there, you're endorsing all of those actions that they do. You're part of the system, and you're culpable for those actions. Um, and sometimes fleeing is sort of the tempting proposition. Um, Obadiah would be working, he would be a faithful, he'd be working under a regime that was trying to stamp out his God, where he was under threat of being killed. Um, that is a very, very difficult position to be in. Um, where you're, he's like, we don't know truly what, what tasks he may have had to do or, or what he was witness to. But all we know that he through this, he remained faithful and he remained um, faithful to God. Um, this, yeah, as I said, this is really, really um, quite attractive. We can run away, we can uh, kind of remove ourselves from the society because um, just being involved in any type of society there's going to be people at the top that we don't agree with that are doing things that we don't agree with and it's really tempting just to run away to lock ourselves up in church um, and that's on one side that's good we're commanded uh, to, uh, to be part of God's church to be part of the body but if we're just part of the body then we're not reaching out to where God's, uh, where God's potential people are Um, I found that this uh, in my own journey, um, there's um, there's always uh, a compromise in politics. Um, if I jo if I joined a party that matched 100% of my politics, there'd be a party of one. It'd be the Philip Howe party. Uh, I don't think we'd see much election success nationally. Um, and as an individual, I would be really really ineffective. There wouldn't be I couldn't bring much change. I'd sort of be the voice in the wilderness uh, shouting out and. Uh, I probably wouldn't wouldn't get much much attention, um, and so. Uh, but on the other hand, I don't blindly believe everything else that the, the party that I've chosen to join believes in. I disagree with them on 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 certain things, uh, and what's important to me is that I c can compromise politically, but I don't compromise spiritually, and so that I'm I, I'm accountable to God. Uh, and I know my own actions, but I'm I'm not saying that every everything that this. Uh, 
this uh, party or this organization believes in, I'm 100% behind. And I think that's uh, quite an important lesson. Uh, but this is where we find uh, Obadiah. And it would be interesting to say if Obadiah had sort of left uh, this, this uh, corrupt king, the story would have looked different. And I'm sure God's, uh, and we, well, we know God would have won in the end and that the outcome would have been uh, similar. But God still chose to, to use Obadiah in this case. And I feel like there is, uh, uh, God, God can use us even if we're part of those uh, organizations uh, that aren't necess necessarily 100% uh, uh, what we expect on the outside. So where do you find yourself this morning? Um, I don't really imagine that any of us will sort of say we're part of a brutal regime or that we're part of an organization that's kind of uh, locking up or persecuting Christians. But uh, we might find ourselves in godless places. Um, especially uh, John was praying for teachers going back to school. Uh, I know that schools for Christians can be a really hard place to go into. Um, you, you, know, you're, 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 you might be teaching a curriculum that you don't believe in. You may be uh, forced to do certain things that, you, that is, is may not be your priority. But there is still, in the, regardless, in those situations, there is real opportunity for, for God to shine through and to reach people. So um, my prayer for you this morning is that you'd look at where you are now. What influence has God given you there already? You may be surprised to see the people that are looking up to you in the, the workplaces where you are, in the schools and the colleges, in the organizations and the charities where you, where you find yourself. God already may be, be uh, pushing you to a, a place of influence and authority. Um, I don't expect you all to become counselors after this. Uh, this is my, this is my, my journey. Um, I wouldn't want you to become counselors because then I have to probably run against you in an election and would likely lose for the, the absolute stand-up people that we have there this morning. Um, and I have no, personally, I have no idea where God's journey for me being a counselor uh, will end up. Um, I've only been elected for four years, and so e easily in four years' time, I could choose to step down. Uh, I could be beaten in the next election. Uh, there's a lot that God could be doing with me. Um, the, especially in, in the recent election, there's a lot of grace in what God has um, been showing me, uh, especially in my district defeat. Um, so I kind of went for um, district as uh, God's put on my heart a, a number of uh, kind of uh, groups of people. Um, and at the district level, that's really where those changes get made. Uh, you've got real sort of influence and power to be able to, to uh, make changes that really benefit those uh, who are least in our society. But um, actually, after um, just becoming on the town, I'm already learning a lot, um, likely failing a lot. Um, and God has actually is just shown that this, this kind of uh, period of my life is a real training ground and the real ability to learn without uh, having too much responsibility. Um, and there's a bit of humbling in that. But uh, at the same time, God's shown me that um, where I am in my life right now, uh, the time that I have, uh, it wouldn't be right to be, to be having that district workload. And so I'm actually praising God for where I am currently and where, what he's showing me in that. What um, strikes me about the, uh, the kind of the social media influencer generation is that the influence, it's a very one-sided relationship. So you can kind of, uh, you can put a post on Facebook, on Instagram, and it can go out to, go out to thousands and thousands of people 
and they can like and you know they're likely they're likely they're just going to like they're unlikely to comment and even if they do comment how you know these some of these posts have thousands of comments there's just no way you can read and digest that there's likely no real engagement there there's no relationship there um, and something that I learned whilst I was campaigning, uh, whilst I was putting my case forward for being a town councillor, um, you, need, you need real engagement and you need real relationship for people to, to trust you uh, with the authority uh, and the administration uh, that their vote represents. Uh, for me, this involved lo knocking on a lot of doors. I was sort of pounding the pavement. Uh, I can't remember. I must have knocked on nearly a thousand doors. Um, and yeah, waiting for people to arrive. Um, had a you know some, some some good experiences and some bad experiences. Uh, I had some uh, bad experiences that then turned into good experiences, where uh, people could see, even though our politics were vastly different, uh, they could see that I was knocking on the door, and they gave me the time of day, and we had some real good conversations with the people that I probably disagreed with most, but appreciated me actually spending the time there, actually investing in that potential relationship with them. Our relationship is where our our relationship with with others is where our influence begins and ends. Uh, we worship a God of relationships. Um, not only is God in relationship uh, with Himself in the three persons, but He first started that relationship with us through Jesus and what Jesus did. And furthermore, He established a model for how relationships should be. Uh, represented on earth and it said uh, he said that it's not good that man is alone and so he's kind of ordained uh, these relationships and these uh, these friendships that we have um when we try so when we try and influence others when there is no relationship firstly we're one number one we're ignoring god's desire to see healthy relationships in those areas we're kind of forcing a message, forcing our will on people that don't necessarily, there's no, there's no reason why they, they should trust us. And we're, we're very likely to be ineffective as well. Uh, why should I listen to you? You're not going to spend the time listening to me. Why should I listen to you? And um, what's interesting is the worldview of this is the world tries to bypass this relationship. It tries to, with shortcuts of money and power, the threat of violence. Uh, do the do as I say attitude and influencing through fear, uh, and we've been praying against fear um, this morning. It's clearly not um, the way that God wants to do things. Uh, God's way is first to establish the relationship and to model how to live through that relationship, uh, as God modelled that through Jesus. And so Jesus spent time with people. He built relationships with people. He sp he modelled how to live. Uh, he showed uh, through doing uh, God's plan uh, for the world, uh, and we need we need those trusted relationships more now than uh, now than ever. Uh, in a world of outrage, uh, the news that we might not trust, uh, we need those people to clear the path. We need trusted individuals uh, who can speak the truth, and that that can people can trust and to understand, and. Those people will be the people that invest in us and vice versa. The people that will listen to you will be the people that you are investing. And so just going back to praying for who those, who those people that you can influence, I pray for those, those, the people that who you're, you're investing your time in. And I'm sure we can all think of people that, uh, that meet that, that criteria.
Matthew fi- uh, chapter 5, 13 says, You are the salt of the earth, but if salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. And um, what's really striking about this verse is that our salt and our light need to be used. And there's no way to do that if we're just locked up and not engaging with the world. There's no point just leaving the salt in the salt jar or, as the verse says, putting the light under the basket. It requires mixing. It requires integration with people. And it requ- that comes out through our relationships with those. They won't necessarily see our salt and our light f- if we're far away. If, they don't, if they're not engaged in our lives, if they're not seeing what God is doing in our own journeys, they won't be able to witness that. And they won't be able to see what God is, what God is doing. And they may not necessarily see God in us. Um, and I mess up frequently. Um, I've got it wrong in my political career, or career already after a couple of months. Um, rather than taking the time on a s- particular issue of actually going out and creating that relationship with those residents, I kind of made up my mind before and tried to take that shortcut that I spoke about. As, uh, I, you know, my opinion's right, rather than actually investing it. Because at the end of the day... Um, it's hard work going out in to, to to spend the time, invest the time. There's no, there is no shortcut there. You have to, you have to spend those time with those people. Um, and I've had to apologise to those uh, residents, and I've had to show some uh, humility, uh, and to try and correct the wrong that I've done already. Um, which, uh, you know, a, politici- a politician apologising can't be a bad thing, even though it is a rare sight. So hopefully, I've brought some hope to those people lives through through my apology. Um, establishing uh, relationships is the model that we've used for Limitless, so um, the youth group, um, we could be there, we could be standing up and saying, oh, this is how, as young people, this is how you should be living your lives, this is how you should be impacting your schools, um, sort of a very top-down approach, but rather we've just uh, invested in those relationships, we've made friends with our young people, and starting to see some of the very small behavior changes in them through the culture, through just, just the, the way that we speak to them and the way that uh, we run the Wednesday sessions, the, the people that we've got there, the um, just everything is just mod- modeling uh, healthy relationships and that's just paying, uh, paying dividends already. Um, and it's, yeah, it's really working and it's really special to see how people, you would expect them to behave and suddenly it shifts. Um, and Scott is uh, working through that uh, wonderfully, and it's really, really good to see. Thirdly, our, our influence is about lasting change. And so, um, as I mentioned earlier, there are, there are times for compromise. There are times to say that I'm going to be looking at, you know, uh, spreading uh, the benefit for the people uh, that I can by joining forces with other people. Um, and there's times to stand up for what is right. There's times to pull away. Um, uh, especially if you think about uh, the uh, abolitionists, uh, the movement to, to end slavery. Uh, the slavery was the norm of the day, and so you could compromise and say, oh, slavery's not too bad. We're going we're gonna, to we're gonna witness to uh, ex-slaves. We're going to uh, you know, run a, a drop-in center for ex-slaves leaving slavery, uh, r- for people running away. Or you can stand and potentially be part of the system 
but actually affect change from the top. We have uh, the opportunity and the commandment to bring lasting changes in the systems and institutions that we're part of. And this is really where our influence can be used in, in the worldly sense. Interestingly, this is where Obadiah's story ends as well. Um, we can see Obadiah had, had a, a, an amount of influence. He was able to broker the meeting where Elijah and Ahab met. And it would be interesting to, interesting to see if he wasn't part of the story, how God would have made that happen. But this is where his influence ended. He didn't have the ability to uh, stop the practice of Baal worship. He didn't have the uh, authority to push Baal away from out of Israel. He had the opportunity to save 100 prophets. He had the opportunity to feed those and to keep those safe. But wouldn't it, be, it wouldn't have been nicer if he didn't need to do that? He could, he could, there were potentially opportunities for him to stop the process of killing these prophets before it came about. Jesus um, speaks about the Good Samaritan on the, on the Jericho Road. Um, there's so much to unpack in that parable. It's just fantastic. Um, I encourage you to just to read it over and over again, and God will probably reveal something new about the parable um, to you each time. Uh, it speaks of God's character so much. Um, but this morning, I just want to pull one thing from that story. Uh, it's a quote from uh, Martin Luther Jr. On the one hand, we are called to play the Good Samaritan on life's roadside. But that will only be an initial act. One day we must come to see that the whole Jericho Road must be transformed so that men and women will not be constantly beaten and robbed as they make their journey on life's highway. True compassion is more than flinging a coin to a beggar. It is not haphazard and superficial. It comes to see that an edifice which produces beggars needs restructuring. Um, the social action that we do as a church is fantastic. The work that we do, uh, looking after the homeless, feeding the homeless, uh, the work that we've done with the link is brilliant, but that's not where the story ends. I really feel that God has called uh, us to um, change those systems that potentially leave those people into homelessness in the first place. Our positions of influence allow um, us to fix those systems that let people down. In schools, potentially, to reduce the burden um, of te for, for teachers and families. In workplaces, to ensure that workers' rights are... Um, maintained and that people are, have an opportunity for a Sabbath rest. I feel that's something that's not really, so this in the this gig economy world, it's not something that is um, is spoken about. That give uh, God modeled a, a scheme of rest for us, having a seventh day um, out for rest. And that's something that has been kind of lost from, from the modern workplace that um, I think is really important. In government, we even have the ability to give those a home to those to those who need it. So I'd encourage you to look at the injustice uh, in your in in the systems and the institutions where you are. Um, I'd uh, I encourage you to pray about how God could use you in those areas to make changes for good. Um, and I'm I'm really excited about God, what God's going to do uh, in those areas. Um, I th I'm, I, there is something for every every one of us here. Um, and it's really, really good to see uh, how God is moving us in those areas. But that's not the end of the story. Um, just like Obadiah's influence is limited, uh, we, need, uh, we need God's power in the end to, to break the systems that are just uh, unworkable. And there's no, you know, th the story doesn't end with Obadiah working in, there, uh, in that system forever. God comes um, and breaks, breaks that system.
I can be um, a good counselor, I can make good decisions, um, I can help people, and I can do all of those things without listening to God. But what there would be absolutely no point in that. There would be no uh, benefit to me being in that position. God weaves us into society. We are his hands and feet in a broken world. But the systems, the institutions, the plans, the political parties, the petitions, the laws, the partnerships, the businesses, and schools are all temporary. His kingdom is eternal. So whilst we have one foot in these systems, and we can say that God has put us here to change those and bring about, about better, we know that's, that's not how the story ends. We know what, how that God has already won. And these institutions that are fundamentally broken because they're, they're, they're run by, by people like me, um, God can come and, and bring uh, complete restoration. Our positions of influence in those uh, institutions are important, but they're ultimately powerless compared with God's love, his salvation, transformation, and redemption. And we see this in Elijah's story. He's obedient, he confronts Ahab, and bring the uh, corrupt system to its knees. And this is where on Mount Carmel, after the story that I've, uh, after the, the verses that I read out, um, he challenges the, the, um, the prophets of Baal to, uh, to see whose offering would ignite without any human fire. And God comes and, and just um, completely overwhelms all expectations. And it's just, it just shows that regardless of uh, our toil and human systems and bringing about really good change, God's power and is just so much more than wha whatever we can imagine. And there's the good things that we, we can do and there's the, the, the good work we can do, but ultimately we need God in our lives and the people out there need God in our lives. And so doing any of this without God is completely pointless. And what's really good to see as part of that is that out of that one encounter with God, the people start worshipping him again. And in that moment, you're, you're the people there were forced to bow down. There's no, there's no question there. There's no, there you, God just showed, his, showed his, his power and who he is. And the natural was to people, for people to worship him. And that's what God is calling us to do in, in those situations to show, to show his power. So where do we go from here? Where do we start? What's really interesting is how the story ends, is that after, even after showing this, the, you know, King Ahab still lasts quite a while, if you read the last couple of chapters after this. The rain comes, but then Jezebel, uh, Ahab's wife, threatens Elijah, and he gets scared. And he goes, runs and hides into a cave, and God asks him what he's doing there. And then after that, there comes uh, a mighty wind, a mighty earthquake, and a great fire. And God was in none of those, but he was in the whisper. And that forces us to draw close to God. Our relationships with others, our relationships uh, for those and in those areas of where we have influence, it starts with our relationship with God. It's he, he created these relationships in the first place. And even through God's uh, showing his might to, uh, to, the, to the prophets and, and to the people on Mount Carmel, he still chose to speak to Elijah through the whisper. There needs to be the closeness of the relationship there that, that forces us to draw close, to spend time with God, 
and to start and to it starts from a relationship with him. Um, I've got a, a real sense that God is preparing the people in this room for great works um, in the church and out of church. Uh, that could be in Stratford, or that could be miles away. Um, I can see that, that God is definitely on the move, and it's really exciting to be a part of. Um, so just like to, if that you think that doesn't apply to you, I'd really like to pray with you um, after the service. Um, I'll just end with this um, African proverb, proverb. If you think you're too small to make a difference, you haven't spent the night with a mosquito. <laughs> Thank you. So we're going to come, we're going to take communion together just to finish our service. An opportunity to be reminded of the, uh, the God that we love.